You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you're seated. You can open your Bible at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Hallelujah. We've been talking about keeping our faith alive. Say, keep your faith alive. Say, I want to keep my faith alive. Why is this important? Jesus did say in Luke chapter 18, verse 8, he says, When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? We know that James chapter 2, verse 20 says, Do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? If we're not putting action to our faith, we can have faith and that faith not work for us. Sometimes that happens when somebody goes through an issue or something happens and then people say, man, I thought he was a a man of faith. This will help answer some of those questions. It may not always be the case. There's various circumstances that can affect a person's life. But it is possible to have faith and not to have applied it. It is possible to have faith, but that faith to be, the Bible talks about shipwrecked faith. It talks about weak faith. It talks about dead faith. And I want to make sure that my faith isn't dead. If Jesus said, when he comes back, will he find faith in the earth? That's something that really struck me in this last week. And the more we spoke about it, the more this revelation grew in my heart. When we talk about the last days and the end times and these things are going to happen, but God is obligated to his word. He said, if we would pray, he would heal the land. And so it's not a case of like now God wants this thing to happen. And so even though the church is praying, I'm just going to give up on them. No, he's obligated to answer his word. So, you know, as there is a specific timeline, we know God's not held by Kronos time. Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world. But there was a day that everything lined up that had happened. Are you with me? So the same way, when is the time that Jesus returns? There will be a specific moment. There will be a specific time. There is a time when all of these events will take place. But as long as the church is praying, we keep making sure you can turn that thing, push it back. God will continue to heal. So it's almost as if that when it does happen, it's because of that moment, there's a church that is either removed through rapture or that that particular generation has given up on their faith. You understand what I'm saying? So, I don't want to be that generation. And you say, amen. See, it's time for revival. It is time for revival. Hallelujah. It's not for Christians to crawl back into their caves and, and, and whimper and say, oh, well, I suppose it's just the end times. I'm so afraid and I didn't even get a chance to marry and I didn't even get a chance. And I'm, you know. no, no, you pray. And if the church prays, pray, 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 pray. Amen. And walk by faith. Keep your faith alive. The enemy is doing everything he can to try and steal your faith. You're not going to let that happen. I said you're not going to let that happen. Remember Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 10.38, the just shall live by faith. Romans 10.17, the faith shall come by hearing by the word of God. So we're saying, how do we keep that active? How do we make sure that we please God and we keep our faith alive? We've been having a look at various points and various areas. And as I said, you can probably name a three or four others 
But these are things that are really critical to us in these last days. We said number one is to make sure that we go to church meetings regularly. Go to church regularly. I'm not talking about online. I'm talking about in the building. We use online for those that can't make it to a building. That's why even in our campuses, even though we're streaming, you still gather together. People say, if I watch a screen in my campus, I may as well watch it at home. No, it's not the same. I said it is not the same. God's very clear on that. The Hebrews 10.25 in the Passion Translation says, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. Everybody say meeting together. He says some have formed the habit of doing. Seems like he was prophesying today. When you got live stream and internet and you can go and watch almost, you can watch five churches in one sitting. That's not what God wants. He wants you in a house with a family of God, a household of faith. Everybody say a household of faith. He says some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently. Come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge one another onward as we anticipate the day of dawning. Hallelujah. And then number two was to listen to the word of God with intent. Everybody say, listen with intent. What's that talking about? Putting down the social media. Stop staring at the screen. Stop letting other things distract you. Uh, how many of you understand that WhatsApps will come? Doesn't mean you have to answer them right there. 20, 30, 40 years ago, your phone was stuck to a wire in a wall back home. If your phone was ringing now, you wouldn't even know it. It would ring and ring and ring and ring and ring and ring and ring. And someone would think, oh, they're not home. Why does this thing control us? Get your mind off. When you're in the Word of God, focus on the Word. Focus on listening to the Word of God. And be said in Proverbs 4, give attention to the Word. Give attention. Enemy will use everything he can to distract us. Hallelujah. See, sometimes we can fool ourselves. Oh, I can do two things at the same time. Uh, that may be so. You may be ambidextrous and you can do cartwheels while painting a nice painting or whatever. Uh, that's irrelevant. I'm not talking about that type of thing. There's, there's something happens when you're focusing on the word. You want that word to enter into your spirit. Why? Because out of your heart flow the issues of life. Power comes from the heart. Amen. So I'm listening for what God is saying. I'm not just listening for the information. I know what he's talking about. I've heard that before, so I can carry on yet till he gets to the next point. No, I'm listening for God's voice in that word. Amen. Remember Psalm chapter 1, blessed is the man. That verse 2, meditates the word day and night. So that's number 3. Meditate in the word of God every day day. Remember last time we spoke about Joshua, who was raised as a young man and saw this powerful man, Moses, who stood up in the face of Pharaoh, the most powerful political man of the time, controlled and ruled the known world. 
And yet Moses stood up in front of him and said, let my people go. And when Pharaoh laughed him off, he could call on God and power moved and great signs and wonders happened. And eventually got to a place where the whole of Egypt was saying, just get out. And when he took out those three million Jews, they went through the Red Sea and, and saw water opening and calling on birds to feed the people and manna every morning and water out of a rock in the middle of a desert. He saw him meeting with the face of God, walked up a mountain into the very presence of God. Because of misrepresenting God, he was not permitted to go into the promised land. But God kept that generation that refused to give in to the enemy. He said, we can do this. When Joshua's part of those spies with Caleb came back and said, we are well able to do this. And God kept that generation alive. And all the old generation had passed away. And they're ready to go in. And Moses passes, and God says to Joshua, now I'm going to use you. Can you imagine the intimidation that the enemy must have tried to bring against him? You've got to do the same as this powerful man. God gives him the key. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, this book of the law, the word of God shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it. Day and night. Now remember, meditate means to ponder, to think upon, to speak, to mutter. It's to internalize that word. Mull over it. Think about it. What, how does this apply to me? How am I going to put this word into a practical application in my life? He says if you do that and you do and you carry out what's written in it, you will make your way prosperous and you will have great success. How many want great success? How many want to prosper? Have good success. Amen. See, the word says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe. And therefore, speak. Say this, faith speaks. What does it speak? What it believes. It speaks what it believes. When you hear somebody speaking, you know what's in their heart. The word says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It amazes me how many Christians, that when you hear them, will say things like, I am sick, or I've got arthritis, or my arthritis. Why would you want to take ownership of arthritis? Not your arthritis. That's a work of Satan. It's under the curse. Jesus bore that thing on the cross, destroyed it. Why? That he sent his word to heal you and deliver you from all that destruction. But just unhook from it, resist it, and get it out of your life. And so be watchful of what we say. Well, how do we program that? Because the spirit of faith, that spirit is not talking about the human spirit or even God's spirit. That word spirit there is talking about an attitude, a, a, a lifestyle, the lifestyle of the faith. Those that walk by faith have a certain sound to them. 
What is that sound? That's the word of God. In other words, I don't say anything if it violates God's word. If he says, by Jesus' stripes, I've been healed, that put it in past tense. So if you've been healed, you are healed. Well, then what's this in my body? Those are symptoms tempting you out of your healing. Because the moment someone says, I am sick, you take that on. You receive what you say. But I need to resist that. I need to say, no, I know there's symptoms in my body, but I'm not accepting this. And I'm saying what God says, and he says by his stripes, I have been healed. There's a subtle difference between facts and truth. Facts, I mean, but it's a fact that I, you know, I'm, I'm sick. No, that, the, the truth is you heal. It's like, you know, now the sun it has risen and it's nice and shiny outside. But then, you know, last night or about midnight, if you went out, it would have been really dark. Isn't that right? That's fact. But the truth, the sun is still shining. The sun is still shining. Well, why is it so dark then? Because you're on the other side of the earth. But the truth is the sun's still shining. Now, just hang in there, tiger. Wait a few more hours and you'll see it come back again. And you will see it's been shining. It's not God doesn't switch the sun on and off. The truth is it's always on. But something got in the way. So now the fact is the fact has changed. Facts change. Truth is established. The truth is you are healed then your body presents a fact. If there's a symptom, there's a virus or bacteria or something that's causing a, a, a disconnect, it's causing an imbalance or whatever, that may be a fact right now. But the truth, the underlying truth is still you're healed. So now declare the truth that can change facts. So that means I need to renew my mind to what I believe. Because the spirit of faith is that I will speak what I believe. Say that. The spirit of faith is I speak what I believe. Remember Hebrews 3.1 tells us, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Jesus in the beginning was the Word. He's always been the Word. He is God. He's with God. He was God. He is God. He always is, has been the Word. Then you see him present a few times through the Old Testament in various different aspects. Then he enters into the earth, into a body, and that's when he is called Jesus. When he entered into the earth, his ministry became that of Savior. He came to demonstrate the kingdom to teach the way of the kingdom, to show the operation of that kingdom, and to come and destroy the work of Satan. He came, then went to the cross as a lamb. And you can see how his ministry is, is, is moving along for various times and aspects in our lives. So he goes as the lamb, as the sacrifice for our sin. His blood is shed, never to be shed again. Because when he rises from the dead, he rises in a body without blood. He goes and presents that blood before God as a priest. He honors God and he presents that blood as the supreme sacrifice that will forever be on that mercy seat, declaring your forgiveness, your redemption, your freedom, your salvation. 
And then he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Fast forward to when he comes back. He is no longer the lamb. He'll come back as the lion of Judah. Now being between there and there, between the lamb and the lion, his ministry now is high priest. High priest of what? Over your confession. Jesus ever lives to make intercession for you. He prays for you, but he only prays on behalf of what you speak. He demonstrated that on the earth. When the blind man came to him, he said, Son of David, have mercy on me. His question is, what do you want? I thought that would be obvious. The blind man's asking you to help him. No, I need to know where's your level of faith. What are you able to receive right now? What is it that you want? Jesus doesn't just step in and say, oh, I see you need this and do it. Why hasn't God moved? Have you, have you spoken to him about it? Have you said it? Have you called it? So when you declare the word of God, then Jesus says, when the man said that I may see, he says, according to your faith, let it be. And the man could see. So today, Jesus is the high priest of your confession. What are you giving him to work with? What are we saying? Say this, Jesus is the high priest of my confession. Hebrews 4.14 says, Seeing then we have a great high priest. He's passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us, what does it say? Hold fast our confession. What does hold fast mean? Don't let it go. Don't let it go. Don't let it go. See, it's easy to shout hallelujah, amen, when you're sitting in this house. Preacher says something, amen, hallelujah. Why? Because it's a thick atmosphere of faith. You've got a whole, we've got like hundreds of believers sitting here. Uh, with an attitude of faith. And so if you're sitting in the midst of wet people and wet people are all hugging each other and someone's spraying wet water, you know, water all over that, you're going to be wet. But what happens when you're on your own? And all of a sudden, the heat has turned up. And all of a sudden, you hit with problems and things start to go wrong. And what you confessed on Sunday is the very thing that was attacked by Wednesday. It's like you, you say, by Jesus stripes, I'm healed. And I remember the first time I did that, and I took, you know, I hardly ever, ever, ever got sick. Uh, I'd have, you know, little things here and there. And, but generally speaking, I was of a healthy disposition. One day I got a little, just a little tickle in my throat. And as a new believer, I thought, praise God, yes, my first time I can put the word into action. And I took out the scripture, by Jesus stripes, I'm being healed. Man, it went downhill from there. I, all of a sudden, my whole throat was burning, my chest, my nose, and then it gunged up, and I was red eyes. I'm like, oh, God, you, you said, God, you. And I'm calling out, like, God, you said. What was happening? The enemy was coming, do you believe? Do you, when are you going to let go? When are you going to let go? Because if you can hit us hard enough and say, I thought this works, it's just a bunch of nonsense, well, that's it. It's over. No, I can. I have to hold fast my confession. Don't let go of that confession. I don't care what happens, 
what the bank account says, what the what people around you are saying, family members, what uncle, auntie, whatever says anything, you stay with what God says. You don't let go on it. And when I quietened down and got off my angry horse, I said, Father, are you never wrong? I made it a quality decision that day. You are never wrong. I will never, ever again accuse you of not doing your word. I have missed it somewhere. Show me. And he revealed something to me. I don't have time to teach that today. When I made the adjustment, the healing came through. You've got to stop and listen. Always assume God's word is truth, because it is. Amen. Yeah, but I've done everything. Hang in there. We'll get there now, now. So now, everybody say confession. Now, this is, this is going to take you, what I've just been describing takes you to the next point. Number four is be courageous. Be courageous. Everybody say courageous. We just described Joshua taking over from Moses. God gives him a line of instructions in Joshua. You can go read the whole of it for time's sake. I'm just going to go to verse 3. It says, every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I said to Moses. Say, God never changes. See, once God has spoken, he will make that thing happen. He wants what he wants, and he will get it done, whether you're the person or not. I had many prophets tell me, you were not God's first choice. What does that mean? Is that he called others, they started doing the work, but then they gave up. And so God went to the next one. I don't know how many are in the, in the line, but when he got to me and he said, I want you to do it, I chose to obey. Now, if I wasn't his first choice, I'm not his last either. If I drop the ball, he'll find someone else to do it. But one thing I've learned, when God has a vision and a purpose and something he wants to do, he's going to do it. And if he spoke it to Moses, he will make sure it's carried through. It's not like, well, Moses is gone. Well, now I'm just going to leave you guys in the desert. No, I made a promise. and I'm going to get you to that promise. And I'll make sure you have a leader that can take you in. And what I said to Moses, I'm going to do it for you. Family, if he said it in the word, you can consider it done. That is God's will. Don't let anyone ever talk you out of God's will. Well, that was to the children of Israel. Oh, that was just to that one or Daniel or David or what. No, if he said it, he holds himself to that word. He does it for one, it's done as a whole. I'm, I told Moses, and why, as I'm with Moses, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Have you believed that word? Have you believe God will never leave you nor forsake you? Then never again will you say, God, where are you? Because you may not feel him. You may not have the goosebumps. You may not understand what's going on right now. But Father, you did say you would never leave me nor forsake me. You are right here with me now. Just as you were with Moses, as you were with Joshua, you're with me. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Verse 7, 
only. Be strong and very courageous that you observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Isn't that what the word said about in, in Proverbs? Don't look to the right or the left. I've had it said, not recently, because it's not an issue anymore. I've dealt with it in my life. I've had people say to me, you're very narrow-minded. Yes, thank you for that compliment. See, I don't look right. I don't look left. I've got one track. One track, and that is the word of God. If God said it, I do it. If he didn't, I don't. That's really easy. See, people say, Christianity is so difficult. No, your decision's already made for you. There's, there's very little you have to decide on. Just obey the word. Obey the word. Now, according to God, if you do that, if you don't look right or left and you obey the word, it's going to take courage. It's going to take courage in a world that's trying to talk you out of it all the time, that you've got people that are looking at you and calling you all kinds of names and accusing you of being narrow-minded or a bigot or whatever words they come up with, any word that will quant you, he's going to try and feel for that chink in your armor. What, what, what gets you? What's your trigger? What hurts you? What, 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 what name will you respond to? I don't know why people always say, you have to get to the point and say, I just don't care what people think or say. I don't care. That's not being arrogant. That's me obeying the word saying, roll all your care unto the Lord. I've directed people. People say, I don't agree with what you said. Well, take it up with the author. I'm, I'm just speaking what he says. Amen. Do you. And then they ask me a critical question. I know he said it. I'm responding to what he says. Family, that's one thing you can be guaranteed of. From this pulpit, you will always hear the word of God. And if anyone stands up and doesn't do that from this pulpit, they will not get behind you again. Because I make sure you get the word of God accurately to what God says. Why? Because that's the only thing that that devil responds to is accurate word. Not even your nicest, greatest, most exciting, uh, you know, motivational message. You can have you swinging, woo-woo, hallelujah. That doesn't save you. It's the Word of God that saves you. You need to know what the Word says. You know me. I'm all, I can sometimes, the Holy Spirit moves and we can move into a time of shouting and celebration. And, and, but if we're only eating candy floss every day, you're not going to be healthy. Sometimes you've got to sit down and eat your vegetables. So I'm feeding you the word of God. What am I doing? I'm feeding your faith. I'm feeding your faith. And so we, as you receive that faith, but it's going to take courage to stand in the face of the enemy. See, when God told Joshua, it's time to take over. Remember, Moses had led them right to that river, right there. They were about to cross over. They were about to go in. Now remember, this is a man 
who by faith received the word from God that the Red Sea opened. What kind of faith opens a sea? What kind of faith in the middle of a desert can strike a rock and water will come gushing out of it? Man, a powerful faith. Strong faith. Didn't have the faith to go into the promised land. So now Joshua sees that. He went in. He saw those giants. It wasn't like he didn't see them. He came back with the same visuals that the others had. He saw those giants. Now God says, you are going in. Even though they were about to go into the promised land, the giants still had to be faced. They still had a fight ahead of them. They still had to go in the natural. They had to walk this thing. It wasn't like now that you're going in, I'm giving you my word. Don't worry, I've cleared the land for you. Just go on in. No, you're going in. But you're going to have to take this word. You're going to have to stand in this word. You're going to have to speak the word. But I'm telling you, you're going to have to have courage. You're going to have to be strong. You're going to face giants, but I want you to know I am with you. When you come up against those giants, you are going to be able to handle them. You're going to be able to defeat them, but it's going to take you staying in my word, but you're going to have to stand in courage. Faith is not for the wimps, family. One Timothy chapter six verse twelve says, "Fight, fight, fight." What? The good fight of faith. Number five, fight the fight of faith. Number five, fight the fight of faith. Everybody say, "Fight the good fight of faith." Faith is a fight. I said, faith is a fight. I don't understand why this is not happening. Why is this happening to me? Yeah, there's an enemy. Says, do you believe what you believe? He doesn't just give up because you happen to speak the word of God. He's going to check, do you believe that word? Anybody can chirp a scripture. But do you believe it? It's a fight. Everybody say a fight. Now, what's a good fight? Well, a good fight would be the fight that you've won, isn't it? Bad fights when you've lost. <laughs> no, a good fight. In other words, your, your victory is guaranteed, but there is a fight involved. Now, family God, those fights can come in different areas and come in persecution, come tribulation, can be pains, it could be contradictory circumstances, it could be your bank balance, it could be people, it could it is, this can come in so many different directions. But where the fight, whether you win or lose that fight, happens in your mind. You decide. I lost count eventually. I can't tell you how many times this week, you know, with us staying in Johannesburg and being in hotels and dealing with uh, transport and, you know, uh, airline staff and that, 
How many times people said, how are you today? And I said, I'm always well. And they're like, what? That, that, that seemed like a constant result. And more than I've ever seen before. And so I said, it is a decision. It's a decision. I had quite a nice long chat with someone. And, and eventually got to a point where he says, he's never heard someone speak like that before. I said, you decide. You decide. Can I make a bold statement? I can never offend you. Now, there may be someone listening to me and saying, no, you did. You offended me. <laughs> no, you chose to take offense. You decide. Ah, oh, that person. All these people that are so triggered. You know what they call it today? They triggered. You, you can hardly say anything. <laughs> They want, to, they want to take you to court and sue you and you, 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 how, how dare you say that, hate speech and all. No, 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 no. That's all coming out of you. I should be able to. I won't do it because I love you. But let me reverse that. Someone should be able to come to me and call me the worst, ugliest name and stare me down and call me all the things that hurt me and trigger me and my my background, my history. Yeah, but you don't understand where I come from. No, it's the same for everybody. I don't care where you come from. Whatever somebody says to me, I can choose to say, it's not I who live, it's Christ who loves me, and Christ in me loves you. Christ in me loves you. I can look at you calling me names, cursing through me, and I can smile. I choose whether I'm offended or not. See, it's a mind battle. It's a mind battle. Did God really say, what's he doing? Appealing to her mind. Eve. Jesus, are you the son of God? If you were, try this. Appealing to his mind. You start, you're getting to the reasoning level. It's very dangerous. because That's where Satan hits us. Is in the area of the mind. Bombarding us with thoughts and mind processes to try and destroy us. That's the biggest battle. When I was standing in faith for Janine's healing, it wasn't about whether I believe the scriptures or not. You cannot talk me out of those. I'm sure that's evident by now. Um, people have brought me reports and all kinds of things. Not once did I ever question the truth of the word. I told you earlier, I already settled it. God's never wrong. I can say, God, how come this is happening now? And that doesn't even cross my mind. That's not the area of the battle. Going to church, that wasn't the battle. I still came to church all right through the whole situation. That wasn't the issue. The issue was the mind. In the mind, the devil starts already preparing funeral funeral. <laughs> How are you gonna? How are you gonna? What about the insurance? How are you gonna handle? What? How, how are you ever gonna stand up and preach faith again? How are you ever gonna? How are you ever gonna tell people God heals again? Why? He's already telling me she's gone. That that's 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 the battle. That's where the battle happens. 
And I've always sat in the corner. I'm a good analyst. You called me as a faith preacher. I teach these things. Now you I teach these things. My wife wouldn't be here today. I don't have that privilege. And you just don't understand. I do. You don't have that privilege. We live by faith. It is a fight of faith. You have to stand up. And the word says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For what reason? Pulling down strongholds. What are those strongholds? Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every, every, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. If a thought comes up and it contradicts God, don't leave it simmering in your mind. You must take it captive. Otherwise, it's a seed that begins to grow and can produce the wrong tree. You have to take those thoughts captive. You don't just sit there. People say, I don't know how to meditate. You do. Have you ever worried? That's meditation in these wrong thoughts. That's called meditation. So now you know how to meditate. But now we've got to turn it and do it with the good. You have to, put in inverted commas, worry that you're so healthy and blessed and so, you've got to worry that you are so prosperous. You've got to worry that you are so favored by God. Worry that, you know, what are people going to think if I'm so amazingly blessed and favored and healthy? Let that be your worry. You understand what I'm saying? So how do you do that? You have to link it with that spirit of faith. See, thoughts will always invade. If you leave them alone, it works. Now, many of you have been here for years and you've been through this process, but it's always good to do it again. When I scuba dive, you taught basics. You taught how to flush your mask, clear your mask. You lose your regulator. If you lose your mask, how to recover it. There's certain drills that you taught and you practice them before you go diving. But what we do is when you go to a safety stop, because of, I won't go into detail, but you always, after every dive, around about at five meters, you've got to stay there for three minutes. That's just to degas and let all the nitrogen come back, flush out of your body. And then you've got three minutes literally just hanging there with nothing to do. A good scuba diver goes through his, his drills again. You, you can pull off your mask and put it back on. You know, you do very, you just do it again. Because why? To practice, practice, practice. So when it happens in real life, your mask gets kicked off. It doesn't shock you because you practice enough. Amen? So when we do something, oh, here we go again. No, no. We're at our safety stop. Let's practice. Amen? So in your mind, I want you to count to 10. Okay, so when I say go, you're going to count. One, two, now that's verbal, but you're not going to do it. You're going to think one, two, three. Can you manage that? Then I'm going to issue an instruction. You carry it out immediately. Ready? Begin counting. 
Shout out, Jesus loves me. So what happened to counting? It had to stop. God has designed your mind that when you speak, whatever your mind's busy with, it will stop to listen to what you're saying. God's designed you that way. That's why the spirit of faith is having believed I speak. Not think. You can't outthink a thought. Don't think of the black dog. No, the black dog. Stop the black. No, the, it's a big black dog, but don't think about it. Ignore the black dog. Don't just stop thinking black dog. Black dog, black dog, black dog. Don't think about the black. See, you can't. You think you be quiet, then I can stop thinking about it. No, as long as there's a prevailing thought, you can't. Outthink it. Only way is when you speak. Spirit of faith is having believed, I speak. And so, family of God, when those thoughts come, and it's usually when you're at your downest, hurtiest, depressionist, at your worst state, midnight, what did Paul and Silas do? At midnight, they lifted their voices and began to praise, began to sing hymns, declaring spiritual words. So when those thoughts come, you're going to lose it. You're going to, you, no one hate, loves you. you, you your boss is going to fire you. you you're going to go bankrupt. You lift those hands and you begin to declare the word. Speak the word. What does the word say? What does the word say? What does the word say? Speak the word of God. Keep it on your mouth. And it's going to take courage because you're going to have to pull those shoulders back and say, I will refuse. And even if you already got tears running out your eyes, you don't allow them to invade. You say, I know your word. You've never left me. You've never forsaken me. You've never lied to me. You've never failed me. I have killed the lion. I've killed the bear. Today, this giant is coming down. Stand to your feet and give your Jesus praise. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and say, thank God. I'm in the household of faith where I receive the living word. And I meditate that word. I memorize it. I internalize it. And no matter what comes my way, no matter what the enemy lies to me about, no matter what happens in my mind, I am of great courage. I am strong. I have the word of God and I speak it. I keep it on my lips. And as I decree the word of God, God watches over his word. To perform it, he never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He's never given up on me. He's never failed me. He is my God. His word is yes and amen. He is for me. Who can be against me? I declare the word. And as I speak it, faith rises in my heart. Faith stays alive. I am strong and of good courage, and I fight this fight.
It is a good fight. For I already have the victory in Jesus' name. Come on, give your Jesus praise. Hallelujah.